Hi, and welcome to Dietless Living 360 Degrees, Overcoming Weight Loss Obstacles with me, your host, Katie Gordon. As a weight loss coach, I help my clients overcome their weight loss obstacles in six simple steps so that they can lose weight their way and lose weight for life. Because life's full of obstacles and it's how we deal with our emotional responses to those obstacles that has the greatest impact on our weight, health and happiness. And how to overcome weight loss obstacles in six simple steps provides the framework you need to build your personal health leadership skills so that you can maintain cognitive control through those challenging times and build and maintain your healthy habits. And with that in mind, Dietless Living 360 Degrees brings in special guests to talk about the obstacles they've had to overcome and the strategies that they've used to do it. And today, we have the most fascinating Anton Guinea. Anton is an expert in the field of leadership under pressure. He's a best-selling author and a motivational speaker, and he partners with leaders who are under pressure and helps them to create conscious control so that they can create psychologically safe and high-performing teams. Anton nearly lost his life in a workplace accident and has turned that experience into something that others can learn from. Anton's completed a Bachelor of Business in HR, a Bachelor of Science in Psychology, and he's currently doing master's level research into the psychology of leading under pressure. Anton's speaking, training, coaching, and consulting programs are based on psychology, neurology, and biology and they provide leaders with real and relevant strategies to improve their leadership. So welcome to the show, Anton. It's so great having you with us today. Would you like to just take a couple of minutes and tell us a little bit about what you do and the main way that you work with your clients? Oh, I'd love to, Katie, and thank you for having me too, by the way. So for our business, Katie, and for me personally, this is the focus and the way that we do that and great bio. So that really does sort of say it in a sentence. We work with leaders under pressure to help them create conscious control. And how do we do that? Uh, we have some two-day training programs and they're all on our website. So we do leadership training. We do public speaking training because that's a big fear for leaders, as you know. Yes. And then we, we also do resilience training, which is really cool. Yes. We do a lot of profiling, Katie. So we use DISC, we use team management systems. We we now have an emotional intelligence profiling tool that we can use to actually measure people's emotional intelligence. Wow. We, I know, I know. So cool. So if any of your listeners want to reach out, let's put a link below so that they can reach out and, and understand that. Because as we know, emotional intelligence is such an important skill in life. And then we do the obviously the one on one stuff, or, or we work with leaders to, to consult and sort of help them, you know, build those high performing, psychologically safe teams. For me, Katie, really what it's about is it's that personal connection with other humans. I, I rate myself as the true extrovert. <laughs> so I love humans and I love talking to humans and I love being around humans and I get my energy from, from interactions with people. And so, for me, working with leaders is really, really cool because they're influencing humans as well. And so the work that we do, we feel really has a ripple effect out into the world. And, you know, when I look at a leader in an organisation, I look at, so for example, you know, one manager that we work with um, has 32 people in, it's a him in his particular team. Now you imagine the work that we do with one person affects 32 others. Now, each one of them might have a significant other. Each one of them might have children. Each one of them might have, you know, extended, will have extended family. Yeah, it goes out, doesn't it? Oh, doesn't it's it? It's like and a so, sonic wave. And so hopefully the mission that I'm on is to make sure that leaders have the skills they need to do this so that they're responding not reacting to crises because at the moment, Katie, we're all, we can't just be busy anymore now. Crazy busy. How are you going? And I say to people, <laughs> how are you going? Crazy busy. I go, all right, how is that different to busy? Is that like, you know, <laughs> how's that working out for you? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that's a question we ask sometimes. 
I say, Anton, I'm doing this and I'm not, you know, I keep doing it. Yeah, cool. How's that going for you? <laughs> so I love that question. So, um, so yeah, that's the work that we do. And, and for me, I guess that background in having a workplace incident, Katie, and, and the other part of my story. So I've probably got two origin stories. We call them one is that, that workplace incident. And the other one is working for crappy leaders. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, I know. Ah, yes. Some people all oh, got those stories. <laughs> Unfortunately. And they, and they hit you in the heart, those those leaders that, that don't care and that don't understand how much their behaviour impacts on other humans. Which and, is right with the weight loss and the stuff, right? Because that's how that ripple effect sonic wave goes out. That's right. And so for you, what you're doing is you're helping people feel good about themselves so that when they show up, they can help other people feel good about themselves. You know, they're they feeling can their deal own. with that unconscious leader and you're helping change the leader. So that they show up differently. They show up yes. in control. Yes. So we've got this great model that we use, Kate. If you, are you happy for me to talk through yes. some, some tips and tricks? So if you're a leader out there who's got some of this going on and that you're crazy busy, and I and and seriously, and I know that I, I sort of um, take the funny side of that. Everyone is like it. I don't know what's going on. Like everyone's like the the economy's changed. So we've gone from a year or two where we were probably like less busy, and now everything's just. <laughs> so I get it. Leaders are under, and that's what what caused this. And I, for us, it's about control. So if you can just imagine a Venn diagram, control care factor, courage with safe space in the middle, control, care factor and courage. What that looks like, Katie, is control is around emotional control, situational control and behavioural control. Yep. And for, for the human species, this emotional control piece, and it's probably more EQ than emotional control because I just use emotional control as it's easy to say and people get it. Yes. Though emotional intelligence is really around that self-recognition, self-management and social recognition and social management where we can actually look at another human and go thinking fast. Now, what experience are they having? Yes. And empathise or... Yes. And not respond, react, which is what we do, react. Oh, that's all about me. Oh, oh nice work. We talk about responding, not reacting, and that whole knowing what your triggers are because some people trigger us without even knowing that they're doing that. Yes. And we've got we've all got as humans these emotional triggers, and they might be words or they might be like... A facial expression. Or, you know, the, the way that... You know, <laughs> or body language. The subtle ones. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, subtle ones, that's right. And it might be the way that... You know, someone looked at us when we were in trouble when we were young and just that slight, you know, my mum had a, an eyebrow raise. And everyone, every time someone raises one eyebrow now, like I feel like Ugh! I'm in trouble, right? Yeah. It's and all so, stored in there. It's a big library, isn't it? <clears throat> we are a walking, talking conglomeration of our conditioning and our beliefs, our values and our emotional state that just walks around the planet, like with all of our history stored there that's driving how we should have show up, right? Yep. Every experience we've ever had, good, bad and indifferent, it's all in there waiting for something to go bing. Mm, waiting for, some, for something to bring it back to the surface. Yeah. And so that's the control piece. And then there's the whole care factor piece, which for me is the one so it's psychological safety psychological empowerment and psychological connection gorgeous and psych safety amy edmondson thank you to amy edmondson around the year 2000 probably made it famous those two words daniel goleman made emotional or emotional intelligence that's this model so a lot of people want the science or the the study behind this model katie and yes i'm doing some PhD level study really it is to validate this model to make sure it works so that I can give people that that study if you're looking for three names Daniel Goleman 
uh, Amy Edmondson under the Care Factor piece, and maybe even Kim Scott with her book Radical Candor. And then down here in the Courage piece would be Simon Sinek, starting with why and really having the, the courage to unpack and to be able to explain, you know, what why you do what you do. So the Care Factor piece first is psych safety. It's about people feeling like they have the ability to contribute, to share their ideas. The definition is taking interpersonal risks. So the challenge is that when we speak up, we might get ridiculed, rejected or resented by our team members or our leaders. Yeah, And, and every leader's got a leader. So even the leaders that I coach sometimes aren't willing to speak up because they're worried about what their leader might say. Yeah, and the ramifications. Rejection, resentment or, or ridicule. Yes. And so we don't want that in an organisation. And when that is part of an organisational culture or team culture, yep. like that hurts people's hearts when they just want to say something they don't feel like they can. And then all of a sudden they don't feel valued because they don't feel heard, right? So, so Care Factor is about getting to know the humans in your team so that you can work with them to yep. give them a voice so that you can hear them. And psychological empowerment is, is another, it's sort of more of an academic concept. It hasn't really come into our sort of organisational culture, vernacular or narrative yet. It's around helping people find meaning, helping them find competence. Yes. Self-determination, which means what is it you'd like in your role? And then the third one is helping people have an impact. Yes. So you imagine if leaders focused on those four areas, you know, meaning, competence, self-determination and impact, Imagine the teams and the team members, though. And, and this is what leaders say, and I get this, Katie. They say, in time, it feels like you're just giving me more work, more actions, like, you know, being emotional intelligent, like caring for humans. When I just want to get in and get the work done. Like I've just got this stuff that I've got to do and I've got yeah. this monthly report and I've got, you know, the, I've got the CEO coming down on me and I've got yeah. this going on and you want pressure, me to like, pressure. I don't know, you want me to like, you know, lead other humans. I say, look, the other stuff gets easier when you do the people work, right? Because the people take care of process generally. Yeah. Yes, it's short-term effort. That's so worth. It's so so worth it. But isn't it the same? Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. isn't it the same for anything, right? Mm. If you want to change, make a change, because we all want that change. They want what you're offering as the end result. Mm. but they don't know how to implement the time structure mm. to do what you're saying needs to be done mm. to get them there. Nice work. Can it, so, and great work because I don't have enough time. So we, I've just launched a keynote from um, deficit, which is, you know, an ant-sized, to, I forget the D word that I used, to deliberate right so from deficit to let's say deliberate and deficit means i don't have enough time i don't have enough energy and have the resources on. i don't have enough people i don't have enough money everyone tells me all the stuff it's a bit like carl Barron when yeah. he says have you heard that one he says you know he says people ask you how you or you ask them how they are and they'll tell you how they're not not bad yes <laughs> where are you going not far yes i love carl Barron. oh big fan big fan <laughs> and so that's the thing we've got this deficit mindset and we really need to be i'll use the word deliberate i'm going to come up with a better word yeah. deliberate and and actually say hold on you know what i'm going to make time because it's about priorities katie yes what's important to us i want to leave your leaders or your viewers with one action and this will change their lives and don't thank me now leaders don't thank me now until you've tried this just do one-on-ones Yes. Just do one-on-one -on -one with your team member. Try that. And, and a lot of leaders do, and, and the good leaders do. See, a lot of our work, Katie, is actually with high-performing teams, which is interesting. So, you know, we, we mostly get calls from high-performing teams, not teams in turmoil. Yes. And, and I don't know whether – probably I've, I've, I've sort of never really unpacked why that is. And the, the, the thing that I put it down to is because leaders that have got high-performing teams want to get even higher-performing. And can I say that I think leaders of teams in turmoil from our previous conversation 
they are living in that state of survival focused in on that one thing. They haven't yet been able to get themselves out of living in that to see mm-hmm. that there's a bigger perspective and mm-hmm. that they need help from people like yourself to come in and help them overcome those obstacles by getting them out of living in that state of survival so they can then focus on the team. That's right. And Katie Gordon, putting a comma and an and on the back of that, they're a little bit frightful and fearful mm-hmm. to actually ask for help. Exactly. because you know, and, I, and I get that. Mm. Yes. And if I had a whiteboard here, my, here's my imaginary whiteboard, Katie. <laughs> I think there used to be one there. <laughs> there was five minutes ago. It's just so to me, and I'm I'm really simplistic, so I don't really I try to, and, and I don't like the words dumb things down. I just try to simplify it in models. Yeah. Teams only have two parts to them: outputs, relationships, what we do, how we do it. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I don't think we can really make it. Like, if you want to make it simple, I think we can. Outputs. What do your team get measured on KPIs? So is it is it a budget? Is it compliance? Is it, you know, is it safety? You know, we, we do a lot of work still in the physical safety space. Over this side, so that's outputs. How we do it, relationships. So how is your team connected? How are they communicating? Are they willing to talk to each other? Are they willing to share their ideas and opinions? Can I interrupt and just say that what I hear that you're doing is going back to the name of my podcast here, Overcoming the Obstacles, is that's what you're really helping all your leaders to do because inherent in everything that they're doing is 50 million obstacles and they all start with their team and now their team's responding to the tasks at hand, the projects on on the go, and the obstacles that inherently come up in every project that they do. Mm. So that's really what you're doing, isn't it? You really are moving them beyond that by overcoming their own internal obstacles as a leader and then helping them how to change that within their teams. Mm. Well said, Katie, beautifully put. And we help leaders remove obstacles for themselves and for their team so that their teams can shine. Yeah. Beautifully put. Thank you. And speaking of obstacles, as you know, that one of the questions I like to ask my guests is what are some of the biggest obstacles they've had to overcome? And or maybe you think of it as a hardship, but something that has happened in your own life Mm. that you've had to overcome and can you remember the strategies that you used? Yeah. Instead of overcome, can I, can I tell you where this came up from yes, and, and the story behind that? Is that all right? Yes, please. And where this model came from. So I was on a site, Katie, I was on an industrial site 2021 where they had a major, major, major industrial incident occur. So basically... So it's a power station that, and the station blew up. Right? So they had this major, major incident. Now, been all over the news, cut power to Queensland. It was significant. And what happened was, so we had to evacuate the, the plant. And now when you lose power to the plant, you, there's no, you can't use your printer. Yes. So you, they didn't know who was on site. Now there's been this massive explosion and is everyone okay? Well, we don't know. Yeah. We've got no list. So we had to get people together or the management from that site did. So I had to get people together and tick off names and hope everyone was clear and okay. And finally, the business worked out that it was. Yeah. Then they had to get us away from the plant because there was risk of more explosions and we were in what we call the blast zone. Yeah. Then because we left immediately and urgently, all of our stuff was on site. So imagine your phone, your computer, like we had no personal belongings. Yep. And those things that we rely on. And people, some people were like, I don't have a phone for a day. (laughs) And, and, And it's funny, you know, we all respond differently. Then of course our cars were in the car park. We couldn't, couldn't get our vehicles. Yeah, I was out of town. It wasn't my town. And so 
all I had literally clothes on my back, literally for you know, 20, 24 hours, which it's they call not, that it's a limit system situation, don't they? Sorry? They call that a limit situation. Mm, absolutely. We very much so. And it was really weird to go through that because there was fear at the start. Then it was, I suppose, probably high different type of fear or anxiety. Hey, will I get my gear? When, when will I get back to town? Like, Will the plant blow up again? Will my stuff be affected? Like, I know it's weird. It's this tiny little thing, really, in the scheme of life. When you've got 300 people with a little bit of anxiety, that emotion grows, right? Yes, it's like a snowball. Yeah, and and uh, so we all went home that night not knowing what was going on. The fire system took over, the fire department took over the plant, and, you know, we were getting updates through social media and there was some stuff on the tv by the stage and then next morning we all congregated and the ceo flew up from brisbane and addressed the the team of side on three or four or five hundred people how many there were and what i loved what i loved about the way that, that particular human addressed the team was it was all about people yes now, I get, Katie, that there will be some people on that site that have a different experience to me. So I get that. So I, I, I acknowledge it and say some people would probably say that it wasn't hand. Maybe they'd say that it wasn't handled. I, I, and my experience was that everything was handled really well and really professional because they put people first. They, yep. the, the leaders on the site put people first and did this well. Yeah. And watching that was how we put the model together. So that model I talked to you before. Mm-hmm. And so, so in answer to your question, what's an experience that I've had and how did I respond to that? Yes. That was one that I really, like, it was a bit freaky. Like, it freaked me out a little bit because I'm self-employed. I don't get sick leave, Katie, you know, like you, where, where if something, if I fall off my bike as a triathlon, guess what? And I can't work. Well, I don't get paid. Yes. <laughs> and so... I have a different perspective on it, I guess, to people that do get sick leave and that have full-time jobs. And so it freaked me out a little bit. You know, my wife couldn't get hold of me. My kids were worried. You know, they thought it was like Chernobyl or something like, you know, no one knows. And so there's this whole thing going on. And how did I respond to it? Oh, I wanted to take, because I actually, in the end, when I reflected, it was actually quite, it was really well managed in a lot of ways. Yeah, they're, they're probably improving opportunities. So I put a model around it and now I try to teach that model because I've seen it in action. It's not like ethereal. It's not like something made up. I looked at, oh, boom, boom, boom. This person did this, this person did that. And this is how they did it. And here's an example of what they did. Yeah. And so I sort of took an experience that was pretty crappy and that really affected a whole lot of humans and still has and still is. Yeah. But found what I can take out of that and share with other humans and other leaders to help them lead under pressure from the experience that was that became that site. Does that make sense? Yes. So, and like I really love what you're doing, right? Because what you said about you took something from the practical side, not just in theory, mm. because in theory, theory and practice are the same, but in practice, they're not. <laughs> so yeah. until you do the practice, mm. you don't know how that's all going to work. And because you were in it, mm. you know, you, you have personal knowledge of how it felt and, and mm. everything that was going on and what was happening with everybody else. Mm. And being in that limit situation, hopefully none of the leaders that you are working with are going to be in that situation. But if they're prepared to be there mm. in such a limit situation, such a high caliber situation, yeah. then they can deal with any of the other obstacles and, and situations that they're going to deal with in their teams and in their business. Well said, if you can deal with that, you can deal with any event. And, and we call that a crisis event now. Yes. You know, that really is an absolute crisis event. And it's a business yep. continuity crisis event that could have shut that business down. Yep. So, no, well said, well said. And if, if you can deal with that, you can deal with anything. And so let's let's work out how to, 
before the crisis event happens, Katie, how do we prepare leaders for those events? It's exactly right. You've got to practice in advance when it doesn't matter on something. So you're prepared for, I call it practicing for the future. (laughs) I love it. What are you doing today? Because that's where you want to be in the future. What are you doing today? That is the practice that gets you there. Hey, can I share something with you, Katie? Hot off the press. We've just put in for a grant. Oh, excellent. We're going to try and do VR and AI to put people into those situations (laughs) so and then so we'll give them the experience of being in a situation like that and then we'll measure monitor neural psychological biological activity and see what happens and so that we can share that with people and and help them so we'll measure that measure their activity or their brain activity before crisis events and see or a crisis event two days worth of training and then let's do it again and see what's changed based on some training that you've done. So, yeah. So And I just say, sorry to interrupt, but you just sparked that that's the whole thing, right? Practice before you get there. So if you, if your brain's experienced it and then Mm. you're learning the tools, Mm. then it's in your neurology, how you're going to respond rather than getting to that point and going, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Isn't that what the astronauts do? Oh, absolutely. Pilots. Yes, you know. pilots. So, you, you know, the whole drop the helicopter into the pool and get out of the helicopter. Yep. You know, you, you, you practice the scenario before it becomes a scenario, right? And you get your nervous system because that's it. It's your nervous system responding. You've got to get your nervous system going, oh, okay, 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 okay. This is normal. Now it's normal. I know what to do. Mm, well said. And it's funny you should mention that, Katie, because one of the, one of the, the profiling tools that we use is resilience profiling. Yeah. And so we talk about the six elements of building a high resilient human being. And the definition of resilience is actually advancing despite adversity. Yes. Advanced despite adversity. And so during the event, the crisis event in that moment, we're actually not being resilient. We're coping and that's what you were talking about being before the event prepared yep. so that we can cope. And then this resilience piece is about how we then move forward because this here can create this whole lot of PTSD or anxiety for the future or if we don't deal with it, depression. You yep. know? So it's about moving through this crisis event because we've got the skills to deal with it, then advancing despite the adversity and developing resilience, which then will circle back and help us for the next time as well. Exactly. It's such a nice positive feedback loop, right? Mm, Absolutely. And do you know what I like what you just said about resilience? And it might be a conversation for another time, but resilience is about coping, Mm. what you just said. And sometimes that's actually the spot splinter in my paw when I think about people talking about resilience because it's about coping and often people think about coping with things as I've got an oppressive weight on me Mm. and I'm just going to learn how to cart it around I'm going to cope with that so the word coping with resilience is often something but what you're saying is coping by building strategies, mm. right, which is what I do too, mm. building strategies so that you're not coping with it, you're working out how to remove it, mm. and move beyond it and build the strength from it. Oh, and to build the strength from it, to get a learning from it. Okay. Yes. Do you know, I love the thing about, because I one of my... Um, pieces in one of my videos and I say resilience you know it's the ability to bounce back to be able to you know be bent out of shape and then get yourself back in the shape and there was a few words in there and I went and doesn't that sound like all of those words are words of fun bounce spring back you know and that's the antidote for like I've told you that's the antidote to stress is fun so getting resilience using those elements to oh I do because when we're fun 
I can get that load off. Mm, that's so well put, so well put. And one of the things that is important, and we have discussed this, is about moving your body. And and I just, you know, it's why I, I stand, I have a stand-up desk, I present standing up. I feel like, for me, I do my best work when I'm on my feet because my energy is flowing, yep. my blood's moving, and I'm breathing better. Yeah. I'm oxygenating my frontal lobes. Brain's a big user of oxygen in our body, and it's really, really hard to think. It's really actually even hard to speak, Katie. Yes. If we're not breathing properly, yes. we can only breathe. On, we can only talk on the out breath. Yes, I know. I know yeah. that well. We're going to be able to breathe and talk, which is about thinking fast, talking slow even though I'll probably talk fast, think fast, talk fast. <laughs> well, if you're talking slower than you're thinking, you are lightning. <laughs> Absolutely. And so it's how you actually do that. It's how you can use, whether it's emotional change, whether it's an energetic change, whether it's a physical change, whether it's a, an oxygenation change, to advance through adversity, to learn, to cope, to deal with, and to bounce back into shape by having some fun. I love that. I wish I had a whiteboard here. Fun, my imaginary whiteboard. Let's have some fun. Come on, right on the wall. I dare you. Oh, that's right. I dare you. <laughs> I, I can write on the mirror. There's a, there's a glass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and in our sessions, and people don't, don't really, like they just come along to our two-day training and I do all sorts of, you know, like funny stuff and I'll make real weird noises and and do you know funny stuff and that's and, where it's at i know they don't realize that for me that you know moving my body around is actually what helps me create an experience for our trainees so that yep. they enjoy being there yeah it's not about the speaker it's actually about the audience and the experience and, they're having well said and for leaders it's not about themselves it's about the experience their team's having and so it's about us being able to focus on other human beings and focus on other outcomes and focus on other situations in a way that allows us to deal with them in the best possible way and get the right outcome. Yeah. And the right outcome usually is taking care of the outputs. It's also about taking care of the relationships as well because, you know, I see some leaders, they get the outputs right and they just don't get the relationships right. And all of a sudden the outputs are at jeopardy because how we do things, not what we do, how we do things isn't working. Yep. If how we do things isn't right, the what we do is is in danger. Which is the same in my world as well, right? Mm -hmm. So people are striving for their goals, their whatever they're doing, their just careers, their finances, and their output is great. But how they're doing it is crushing their health. They're overeating, they're not exercising, the stress and all of that. It's the same mm -hmm. Mm, same model yeah well said so yeah it's um it's really rewarding work i must admit seeing leaders go to the next step and actually create high performing teams and actually have the aha moments that yeah. you know really help them step into a different leadership style or a different leadership process or try new things and the courage piece down on this end of the venn diagram is to try tell and trust you know try new things try try new I guess, relationship building tools, trust, try tell. So tell, a lot of leaders don't even know why they do leadership, Katie, which is interesting. When I ask them why, they say, well, I've never thought about why because the boss was away and I got her job or his job when they're away. By default. Yeah, by default. Or I was a good accountant or I was a good, you know, nutritionist. Yeah. So all of a sudden I ended up in the senior role. And they don't have the leadership training to be there. They know how to do the tool, the job, mm. the task, the, the mm. activity, whatever it is. That's but they right. don't have that leadership training. training. Yeah. We had a 30-year leader, Katie, tell us, and it was a him. He he didn't know that leadership training was a thing. After being a leader for 30 years, didn't know you could go away and get trained in how to deal with, you know, in people, in people stuff. Yep. I'm not surprised at all, Anton. <laughs> Wow, I, I think I probably was taken back a little bit because I thought, you know, as a leader, at least you'd know that, you know, there's this training. You might not go and get it or your business might not get it for you. You're probably not allowed to say, but what kind of a leader would not be aware of that? Is that somebody who's 
very good at what they do. Yep. Yeah, and potentially. they just go, it comes so naturally to me. Mm. I haven't had to think about where I could go build my skill because I'm mm. I, I'm getting good responses. Yeah. And that's a that's the growth mindset thinking. Yes. The fixed mindset would be, I'm okay, nothing to see here. You know, I know boats. Um, I've been doing this all my life. Yeah. You know, who who are you, punk, to tell me how to do leadership like that's I do? Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, which one was it? It was probably a bit of a mix of both. This particular human was a really, really good human. Yeah. He rang us the day before, actually. He rang Alison and said, um, Alison, do I really need to go to this two-day training? I've been doing this for a long time now. <laughs> she said, well, not really. She said, Ant- Anton's general response is, if you, he'd rather you're not in the room if you don't want to be there. Yep. And Alison said, it might be worth knowing that your business has paid for your course already. So it might be a good move for you to be there. And so he showed up the next day and that was his first line. He said, but man, he said, I don't know why I'm here because I didn't know this, this was a thing. And we said, yeah, look, no worries. Let's see if you can get some value while you're here and let's see if we, we can work with you and, and help you out and expand your mind a little bit anecdotally so we've heard from his team and from his site that he went back to site and said wow you know like so much information out there on the planet that could help me be a better leader so we we, saw the shutters roll up that's right (laughs) had some aha moments and it's such a good trainee such a good trainee such a such a great human and you know another great human that we get to to deal with and to get to work with so the universe the sonic waves that's it. That's it. So well, yes. Thanks for sharing all of that, Anton. So I have a couple more questions before we yeah. get to our end bit. Go. Go. So can you tell me of a, a great risk that you've taken in your life and why you took it? Well, so I got blown up in a switchboard. So I was nearly killed at work when I was a young electrical worker. And um yeah, no, I took a risk to, so the risk that I took was um, rushing a job. I stuck a steel ruler on a switchboard to measure. I got in behind the main switch, which was isolated, and it blew up, and I got second-degree burns and ended up in a burns unit with my skin being peeled off every day for about five weeks and couldn't wipe my backside because my hands were. And I, I do a lot of speaking in industry around that. Yes, my hands aren't scarred. Good care in the burns unit. Katie Gordon, just between you and I. No one wipes your bum quite like you do. <laughs> Fun fact. Fun fact. Something Fun you fact. always want to be able to do. <laughs> That's right. You always <laughs> want to be able to wipe your own backside. Trust me when I tell you. <laughs> they always miss a bit, Katie. True story. And, you know, it reminds me of a joke and I'm not going to share it here because oh. I'm not sure it's appropriate, but later off screen. I'll share. Good. Okay, do that. Um, and so, yeah, so the risk that I took landed me in intensive care, landed me in the burns unit, landed me in a, toilet, in a toilet cubicle that I couldn't operate by myself, which was interesting. And so why did I take that risk, you know, and I spent 10 years and I, I, I really feel like there was times when I had some PTSD stuff going on, like that whole not advancing through to adversity and not dealing with the boom event, not coming out stronger, coming out less strong yes. and bitter, twisted, pissed off with the world. Yeah, uh, why me? A lot of pain. It was, and why me? Why do I have to go through this whole... <laughs> Got a facelift at 21. That was interesting because all the skin, some of the skin was blown off my face and then the rest had to be forcibly removed. So, like, it's all a bit... Uh, if, and if, you, if any of your listeners, if any of you have ever been to Burns Unit, you'll get this because Burns Unit's are horrible places and you never forget the smell of burning flesh. you never forget the screams of young yeah. males. And they are young males because that's who ends up in the Burns Unit, young males from the bush doing stupid... Can I say shit, yeah. Kate? Yes, you can. Stupid shit. And yeah, um, like to blow up stuff and play with rifles and... and fire. Camping, fuel on fire. Putting things in fires. So why did I do that? Because I had a different priority in the moment than my safety. I had a different priority, which was rushing to get a job done, which was impressing someone. Yes. Yeah, give yourself a little. 
because yeah. I was out of work at the time. I wanted to get a job on that site, and uh, which I never did. <laughs> they, they didn't think that was quite cool, blowing up their whole joint. So, yeah, did you ask me the question? So why did I take the risk and what did I learn? Yeah. I learned out of it that I had to take responsibility for my behaviour and that if I didn't put my personal safety first when I'm at home, when I'm driving, when I'm demonstrating to my children how to, to do things around the house, when I'm at yeah. work, if safety is something that it needs to be at you know front of mind a lot of the time, especially when they're in that decision making moment, do I pull out in front of this truck on the highway? Do I, you know, do I? How am I going to you know grind at home? Do I really need those safety glasses? Or do I need what? to be fiddling with that thing on the seat next to me while I'm driving? Mm. That fell off the seat on the floor. Do I can I wait? Mm, exactly. You know those micro. They talk about. They talk about in driving micro sleep. I, I think they're micro decisions that we make. I think yes. they're more in the moment we make these priority decisions. And what's more important? Is it rushing? Is it getting that thing? Is it taking a phone call while you're driving? Or is it your own personal safety? And so yeah. I really, um, yeah, I really spent a lot of time reflecting on that and then got into safety and then got into safety leadership out of that with all the thinking that I was doing and, and wrote a book on it in the end. Yeah, um, this is your book, your best selling. Yeah, you have got some of my books, yeah. And I sort of use in my books, this was the very first one. I thought I, there were some photos in here too that I could share with your audiences. But if your listeners, Katie, are out there, if they'd like a soft or a hard copy of, yes. of these books, please, um, maybe we can put a link to that down below as well. Sure. I will buy one of your books. I'd love to read it. Oh, Katie, they're yours. Oh, yours. I'll send them to you. We'll, we'll connect offline to me your, cool. your um, address and I'll get you some down. Sorry, I haven't those, yet. those micro decisions, you're right. My dad, God bless him, um, worst, not the worst driving record ever, ever. He drove all his life. He used to be an interstate truck driver and, you know, he just on the road his whole life. So he said by default he's made a lot more mistakes than the average person, but simply because he was on the road more. And he went and taught defensive driving because he wanted to share that knowledge of what not to do with other with young drivers, you know, like they were classes mm. for young young boys mostly. Mm. Um, but he always shared stuff with me, you know, every time we were driving, especially, and he taught me to drive. And, uh, yes, so many things about, you know, where you're looking when cars and trucks are going past and, you know, and, you know, I'd be fiddling with something goes, do you really need to be doing that now? Think <laughs> about the consequences and, you know, just that teaching in the moment mm. of the decision that you're making. Mm. And that is, that's when we're living in that, that part of ourself, isn't it? Where it's mm. just in the moment, in the moment, that, that, that. When mm. what you're doing and teaching as well is you've got to come back from that mm. to, this, to get this other perspectives. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. And that's the that's the trick is to pull yourself out of what potentially is a high risk activity and a high consequence activity in the moment. The loan take a second. Yeah. It could affect you for the rest of your life. And that's there's some thinking that goes on in the moment where you say, hey, you know, is this worth it or what could go wrong or what if? Yep. You know, and, that, and that's a trained response. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Yep. And so, yeah, it's, for me, it was really around after that incident unpacking what happened and I had to take responsibility because apparently the switchboard was faulty and it shouldn't have blown up and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, I stuck a steel ruler in it. <laughs> so, you know, you've sort of got to step back and say, hey, it was my fault. And I won't do stupid stuff again. And I haven't done anything, you know, that, that, well, maybe I have. Anyway, that's probably a broad statement. But certainly at work, I haven't done anything that has really had the risk of such a high consequence like that. So that was, that was really um, probably my worst decision in my working career. Yeah. As my friend, lovely Catherine, I often say, she always says, so very few of us are saints, right? So oh, for we, sure. know, we know, what we're, but we will always have what I call habit relapse, which is you'll mm. always make those moments, but you'll be so aware of it, like so Absolutely. faster before mm. it turns into anything else. That's right. Yeah. 
And sometimes it's that experience that I've got because I am more aware. My awareness is what we call heightened. Yeah. And people have actually said that to me in the past. They said, man, you're the, you're the safety person and, you know, you've had this incident. You've felt pain of the burns. How do you expect us to work safely? We haven't felt the pain of the, you know, we haven't experienced what you've experienced. So I said, don't wait. <laughs> I said, so much better to not get injured than to learn from the injury. <laughs> actually, I, got, I was in Sydney this week, actually, speaking to a great construction company. Thanks, Richie, for having me, if you listen to this ever. Um, <clears throat> and I actually got the question from a guy called Elias down the back, and he said, if you had your time again, would you still have the incident? Because it's, you know, of all the stuff you've done since then. I said, no, I wouldn't have the incident. If I had my time again, I would not, you know, I'd do something different. I, I'd find maybe I'd still be doing this, who knows? Probably yeah. not. But, you know, the ripple effect of all of that, you know, mum and dad got in, you know, yeah. what they saw, brothers, you know, like it's it's just everything. And so, you know, if I, like, and it was interesting, it was a sliding doors moment, this question, and I thought, you know what? A lot of people say, yeah, it was great because it may help me become the person I have. And yeah, there's so many positives out of it. But at the end of the day, if I could go back in time, I'd probably change it and I probably wouldn't have it happen again. Well, I know, which is a weird thing to think about. but Well, know. it's not, right? Because I often hear that people say, you know, that same question to people with, yeah. you know, whatever injuries they've had yeah. or um, consequences of things in life, would you yeah. change that? And they go, oh, no, without that, I wouldn't be here. Yeah, right. But that. I'm like you. I'd be... I'd be willing to see what was on the other side of yeah. not having that. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. If, if that was so arduous and mm. the burns, I could not imagine anything more. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it was pretty painful. So, yeah, yeah, so that's probably what I learned out of that worst situation. Yeah. Cool. So tell me, Anton, our last yeah. two questions before we go. What do you do for fun? Oh, Katie, where have you been all my life? triathlon how many do. do you do oh a thousand <laughs> a thousand no um we probably wouldn't go four or six well except in winter because it's freezing at the moment there's not many events when was cans probably six weeks ago um so i do what we call half ironman distance events and olympic distance events not too many short ones and i don't do the full ironman events because they're just a bit too long yeah. And they hurt too much. <laughs> so a full day at the office. And so for me, triathlon is just that just that team sport where I get to connect with other humans again. And I I get to stay fit, which is really cool. And um, and Mrs. G and I get to do a lot of traveling together. So we travel the world, I represent our country, which is pretty special. Wow. Um, back to represent our country again in two years' time in Taupo in New Zealand or or Topor, as they call it over there. Yep. And and in six weeks' time, I'm going to try and qualify for next year's World Championship in Finland. So go and, Oh, cool. I know. See the Northern Lights, go and do the green and gold thing again. So um, so that's what I do for fun. I'm usually up fairly early, like I yesterday morning, Friday's rest day, but yesterday morning was 3.15 on the bike and, and I didn't get back in time from work from Rocky for a swim in the afternoon, but I'm twice a day an hour or two in the morning and evening and yep. and um you can't really, miss a day really the training can you it just, uh, you notice it straight away 100 percent. so you're gonna be so consistent all year round which is which is hard eh? like it's mentally draining katie to be in the same vein people will ask where do you get your energy from and i just say from triathlon i just you know i'm always because i you know the hardest thing you're going to do all day, start. Oh. And, you know, when you can run 20K or 21K, well, well, we run that every Sunday morning, you know, for fun. And, um, you know, what that takes mentally. I say to anyone out there, I say to leaders, next time you see triathlon on someone's resume or Ironman, hire them. Yeah. <laughs> you know gonna... they've got the mental agility to do it. And the mental strength to get yeah, through yeah. anything, right? So, yes, I but, want to be back on the podcast on another day because I've had a few people on who do ultra events and ultra sports and all sorts of, and I love that. And I like to pick around in there, and I don't have time to do that with you today, but I do want to. So I'll have you back. 
let's pick around in there, Katie. Yeah, we'll, like to fossick around and what's we'll, going on inside that grey matter. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what comes out of. Might be a bit <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so quickly, tell me what you do for relaxation. Um, read, uh, meditate, shop. I like, I like just I like just going to the shops with Mrs. G. She she's a shopper, so I float around with Mrs. G. I don't, Browsing. You know, Sorry? You like the browsing? Yeah. Like yeah, love the b- b- browsing. I don't buy, you know, don't probably don't buy as much as she does. Yeah. Um, so I read a lot of audio book a lot. Audio book, actually Audible would probably be the main thing I do. Um, love it. Do meditation a couple of times a week in here. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, I it's, can't say every day because it's not. It's most work days. Yeah. Um, and for anyone that wants to get started, I simply go, into Google and type in the words 10 minutes guided meditation and go to videos and, and just click one and just sit there and follow the, the process like it's so easy. And I, I love that process as well. Um, read, audiobook, meditate, go shopping. That's probably the things that I do for, well, meditation is not really for fun. That's just for, for my well-being. Well, and well-being is fun, right? Oh, it can be. Well-being. That's true too. That's true. My favourite one, Katie, so I'll show you here, and I know we're going over time now, but my favourite one, and this is a tip for young players, how easy it is. Just go there and go 10-minute guided. It'll come up because I search for it most days, 10-minute guided meditation. Yep. The one that I love is this one here. It's um, Daily Calm. Oh, yeah. It's Daily just Calm. Daily Calm. It's probably the... The best, easiest. So I've done a few of the other ones. So I've tried those. But yeah. I just keep, keep coming back to Daily Calm because Daily Calm is just so easy to follow. And, and this particular female just talks you through how to breathe, oh. how to sit, and just I quite like it. So for anyone out there, the meditation is a bit of a big deal at, at the moment. People are talking about it a lot. And I know it still freaks people out. Anton, I can't sit still for 10 minutes. I, I, you can. <laughs> and, and essential to getting a handle on your responses to life because you've got to be able to stop yourself. Stay calm. And would you believe, Katie, that there's some studies out now that show that meditation changes your brain. It changes your neurology. Yeah. Do you follow Dr. Joe Dispenza? No, I should, though. Yes, I will give you everybody, anyone out there doing a lot on YouTube. But he originally, when I first heard of him, it was in 2004 from the movie What the Bleep Do We Know? <laughs> and uh, Joe's gone on to, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he's gone on to, you know, teach it over, went to his retreat on the Sunshine Coast. He's an nice. American. Really good, well worth looking him up on YouTube. And Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Well, you know, Anton, I could talk to you for hours and hours and Thank hours. You. And unfortunately, you. it's time to say goodbye. So we will put all your details up at the end of the video um, and people will be able to connect with you. They'll be able to buy your book. And um, it's just been such a pleasure. So thank you very much. And to everybody who's watching, Thank you so much. If something has Anton has shared today or myself that's resonated with you or inspired you, please do give us a like, leave us a comment, and we will see you in the next video. In the meantime, here's to your health and happiness so you can love what you create. Bye for now. Thanks, Katie.